Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the National Library this evening for this fellowship presentation by Dr. Yusuko Claremont on nuclear legacies of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. My name is Elizabeth Bailey, and I'm currently Acting Director of the Overseas Collections and Metadata Management Branch. Part of my area of responsibility is the overseas, collection, uh, overseas and Asian collections. Before I speak further, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we meet and pay respects to their elders, both past and present, extending that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Australians who are here this evening. The National Library has been collecting material from and about Asia and the Pacific since the 1950s and now has a rich and diverse collection that attracts researchers from around the world. It is this wealth of research material that has drawn Yusuko to the library on several occasions, and we are very pleased to welcome her again as our fellow in Japan studies, supported by the Harold S. Williams Trust. This fellowship aims to promote the library's collections as a national resource for the study of Asia and encourage research based on the Japanese collections. Now, let me introduce Yusuko to you. As well as being a writer, translator and editor, Yasuko has taught Japanese language and literature at the University of Sydney for 33 years. Among the many awards recognising her contribution to Japanese language and literature, she cites the 2003 Faculty of Arts Teaching Excellence Award as her most, one of her most treasured achievements. Much of Yasuko's work publishing and research interest has centred on Japanese and Australian poetry and literature and how writers respond to war and its aftermath. In fact, this fellowship project stems from her involvement in and commitment to post-war reconciliation. She is an active member of the POW Research Network Japan and one of her books, Citizen Power, Post-War Reconciliation, highlighted the emergence of civic movements in Japan that were working to achieve reconciliation and friendship. For her current research, Yusuko has been exploring the library's holdings of atomic bomb literature, a specific genre of Japanese literature used to describe writing about the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki in 1945. She has been looking at how writers have responded to the atomic bombings across a variety of material and how representations of the bombings and their aftermath have changed over time. I understand Yusuko is already planning to highlight her research findings at a conference next year, focusing on nuclear resistance through art and reconciliation. So without further ado, would you join me in welcoming Dr Yusuko Claremont. Thank you very much, Elizabeth. Uh, first, I should also uh, like to pay respect to the traditional owners of the land. Uh, I, have, I, I can't really pronounce properly, I guess, but Nangawal tribe or people uh, where the library stands. And I would like to express my thanks to the uh, um, fellowship selection committee for granting me a, a fellowship sub supported by Harold um, Williams Trust. Since my arrival um, 
I have been very kindly uh, assisted by all of the library staff, particularly the Japanese section in the um, Asian uh, collections. Thank you very much for this. And also um, coordinator, um, fellowship coordinator, Nareo uh, Malo, thank you. And of course, uh, I greatly appreciate all of you for tonight. It's not the uh, um, nice warm daytime or anything like that, but thank you for coming to hear me. So I shall start. Um, the the Asia-Pacific War ended um, 73 years ago, so it is history. However, Hiroshima and Nagasaki still present unfinished business and contemporary perspectives relating to today's nuclear world. My talk is about what I see as nuclear legacies stemming from the ongoing history of Hiroshima Nagasaki through the lens of literary and pictorial narratives that have continued responding to the atom, atomic bombings. My own uh, guiding principle is fairness in this investigation. What I mean by this, for example, is what Kenneth Harrison, a sergeant, sergeant in the Australian Army, wrote about Hiroshima. So you can see what he said here. Now, Harrison was one of the four Australians who first entered Hiroshima in September 1945 after Japan's surrender. Harrison was a prisoner of war at Changi, Hellfire Pass on the Thailand Burma uh, Railway, and Nakama, Japan, that's uh, Nagasaki Prefecture. But he praised the bravery of the Japanese soldiers with their basic virtue of loyalty, cleanliness, and courage. They fought to the last man, for example, at Tarawa of 4,500 Japanese soldiers fighting, only 19 of them survived. Harrison's quotation about um, above, the one that's here, um, echoes my favorite William Blake's um, quote. Friendship and brotherhood, without it, man is not. Harrison felt brotherhood towards his former enemy and reflected on his being part of the Allied forces who dropped the atomic bombs. He understood that man can be a victim and in other circumstances, he can be an aggressor. I would like to pay attention on this kind of fairness in my discussion in viewing the nature of human beings 
who are capable of making errors, such as nuclear accidents or through wrong decisions engaging in war, but at the same time capable of reviving from them in redeeming the future. We haven't discussed these topics openly in public for a long time, but I believe we have arrived at the point where we can acknowledge our forays in order to advance together. It would be too easy to be trapped in a simple dichotomy of friends and enemies, or friends and enemies, or just and unjust. As human beings, we have the capacity to take a role in both, directly or indirectly. Thanks to Article 9 in the Japanese Constitution, which renounces engaging in war, no Japanese have been killed in war since 1945. Yet, in the last 10 years or more, the ruling governments wanted to change the constitution so that Japan can participate in war, along with the US. I'm not sure uh, whether peace can be sustained by the position of military powers. On a current visit, uh, President Trump and Prime Minister Abe agreed to purchase 105 F-35 fighter jets from America. President Trump was very happy and sounded like an arms dealer. <laughs> In this uh, book cover, uh, don't you think that Abe looks like saluting Trump? This is actually a book cover, but I thought Abe is, it's a cartoon, but that's, that's the, uh, he's saluting, I think. <laughs> so, my discussion on nuclear legacies will be centering around three points expressed by works of art. So, responses to the atomic bomb, uh, bombings these include um, victim consciousness, survivor's guilty consciousness, and affirmation of love in humanity. Two, Hibakusha, it's atomic bomb survivors, in both cities leading the way to Japanese citizens' nuclear disarmament movement. Three, and political intransigence still continuing towards vulnerable people. These, these three points are all interrelated and inseparable. So I shall discuss them through major features of nuclear legacies. Firstly, censorship and politics of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. During the seven years of occupation period, 1945, to 1952, any information and activities regarding at atomic bombings was censored. 
These were also censored in the United States as well until President Reagan's memorial speech in 1985 for 10 American POWs whose atomic bomb death was officially acknowledged and commemorated. Shigeaki Mori, a local historian of Hiroshima, proved through his research in 2008 that there were actually 12 American POWs who were killed by the atomic bomb. So 10 days before the headquarters of, us, of the Supreme Commander for the Allied Powers, SCAP, in Tokyo uh, began operation, the United States Army forces um, in the Pacific found the Civil Information and Education Section, CIE, on 22nd September 1945. The CIE began educating the Japanese people by issuing documents through the media of, uh, of their own versions of what had happened during the war. While the International Military Tribunal stressed Japanese war guilt, such as the atrocities committed in Nanking and Manila, on the other hand, in the eye of CIE, the atomic bombings were not atrocities. It has been a common consensus that the atomic bombings were necessary to end the war, whereby the US had made a, made a right to decision. The survivors of the Amer uh, Japanese um, atrocities believed that because of Japanese war crimes, the bombs went dropped. Um, bombs were dropped as punishment. Such historical debates aside, the reality of the bombings was recorded by the atomic bomb survivors. On the day when the atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima, the people who were on the spot and who were capable of recording and drawing the disaster immediately, created their invaluable works, such as drawings, testimonies, diaries, or poetry. Notable writers, poets, who are also hibakusha, such as uh, Sankichi Toge, Tamikihara, Yoko Ota, Sadako Kurihara published their literary works through their perspectives which expressed the significance of what the disaster meant to them. Being on the spot, they were appalled with the sheer reality of unparalleled brutality that the explosion inflicted on Hiroshima. For that immense grief of innocent countless victims, 
They were determined to make a record for the victims. In doing so, they expected that their works would surely alert generations never to get into such a situation. Hara's, uh, Hara Tamiki, Hara's tri trilogy of Hiroshima stories and poems, for example, were of pure sadness in themselves in the midst of unimaginable cruelty. His best known story, Natsunohana, Summer Flowers, published in 1947, contains this poem expressing destructive powers of the atomic bomb. This one I'd like to read. Broken pieces glittering and gray-white cinders, a vast panorama, the strange rhythm of human corpses burnt red. Was all this real? Could it be real? The, the universe henceforth stripped in a flash of everything. The wheels of overturned streetcars, the bellies of the horses distended, the smell of electric wires smouldering and sizzling. His description of atomic desert that Hiroshima had become was uh, ap apocalyptic. A monument of Hara's later poem, before he committed suicide in 1951, was placed near the Peace Dome in Hiroshima. It reads, an image of a single flower crumbling down in midair, shadowed on the sands, engraved in stone of long ago. Those writers were the founders of atomic bomb literature. The same goes with artist who has painted as close as possible to what they actually saw and heard about the disaster. I just quickly show you some representative images. This artist, uh, uh, Fukui, is a, was the established Western-style oil paint pointer. So he was there. So nine uh, nine a.m. That is um, nearly one hour after the bombing. So that's his sketch. And the following morning, what he has seen this one. And then, in 1952, he uh, exhibited this work 15 minutes after the explosion. He, he was the very first uh, artist who left the um, images or paintings or sketches.
Now in uh, uh, Nagasaki, this is actually scroll, and it's called Kiyo no Arashi. Kiyo is the old name of Nagasaki. So, and his name is Fukami uh, Noritaka. So he was an art teacher, um, but he also committed suicide too. And this scroll, um, you can see it in the uh, Peace Museum uh, in Nagasaki. So <clears throat> you can see this kind of um, uh, scroll page, or not the page, scrolling down. It's uh, quite effective. And also I'd like to show you another one. It's a very famous uh, one. It's called Hiroshima Panels, 15 of them. This is the first one and entitled Ghost. Um, it's, I'm interested in the medium uh, artists to use. This is the sort of holding uh, screens, whereas the scroll is also uh, one of traditional Japanese uh, device to tell stories what's happened. Now, oh, this one is I just wanted to show something um, quickly. This one is actually the library has. Um, this is, you can see the uh, USA, and this one is a game, and um, it's small, it's about the hand size. But what happened is in children's game, so they moved it, then you can see, put the pinball, I mean, it's in a um, corner, there's a plastic one, and inside there's a small um, metal ball. So when you're juggling it, and that goes to, <coughs> Not Tokyo, <laughs> but Hiroshima or Nagasaki. So it's, it's a sort of a, a reflection of the time, I think. Um, late 1940s, I should imagine, um, or 50s. But that's the, how the uh, Americans uh, perceive what happened to um, Hiroshima, Nagasaki. So back to um, my thing here is the Genbakushishu. So the flyer, you got this picture as well. So um, this covers image of a uh, booklet. And it, this is the uh, facsimile thing, uh, facsimile book of the, uh, yeah. So you can see very small. So this one was published 1951 by the poet uh, Sankichi Toge. With the design of the cover and the inside cover by Goro Shikoku, he's a painter. Here is a, uh, so here I like to show some poems. So Toge's poems were stenciled out into a booklet of 500 copies. At the time, there was 
severe shortage of everything, paper or food, but they manage it, uh, both worked together. Um, as we have seen in other paintings and atom bomb victims uh, were featured in an anonymous mass, there's no uh, individuality, um, whereas individual identity was totally depleted. One of the poems is, is entitled Bohyo, Grave Post, which describe the site where 160 children and teachers of a primary school once stood. They were all killed instantly, vaporized at that site on that day. Nothing was left at all. The signage was only a low wooden post with a broken bamboo vessel for flowers leaning against the post without flowers. No one could tell about what had happened at the epicenter. Yet, the poet imaginatively encouraged them to come out. The last stanza read, Cry out, wow, in your clear voice, with your shining innocent eyes, spring up to fight against the adult who want war, and open your arms and embrace anyone, pressing your cheeks to anyone's heart, reminding them of your tears of justice. You are the children of Hiroshima. Jump at everyone, jump. So Toge and Shikoku both worked together and produced about 100 Tsujishi street poem posters, half the size of a full newspaper sheet from 1950 to 1953. Each one has on it a painting by Shikoku and a poem by Toge, both expressing angry condemnations of the atomic bomb. Under occupation and with the GHQ press code in full operation, Toge and Shikoku removed the posters as quickly as possible when police were nearby. They wanted desperately to appeal to the people to never allow the US to use the atomic bomb again, especially in Korea. This is one tiny example of Hiroshima citizens' movement of nuclear disarmament. Only eight posters survived, and I can show you just one. There is no doubt of the tragedy of atomic bombings. However, at the same time, thanks to globalization, the Japanese people gradually realized how they were seen by neighboring countries, particularly countries where Japan had colonized Korea, invaded China, Malaysia, Singapore, and controlled South Sea Islands. 
the Japanese were aggressors. Hitoshi Motojima, a Christian and former mayor of Nagasaki, openly warned the people in a provocative way by quoting Toge's well-known poem, Give Back Human Beings, and its famous lines, Give Back the Fathers, Give Back the Mothers. Motojima asked whose words they were. He said that the words must be of the Chinese children whose parents were slaughtered by the Japanese military in northern China. The victims of the Imperial Japanese Army, the three-all policy, kill all, burn all, loot all, must have dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima. Motojima here was opposing an increasing trend of right-wing nationalism through the victim consciousness. Hiroshima used to be a city of the military headquarters in that region, the fifth division of the Imperial Army. Its 11th Regiment of soldiers were responsible for the atrocities committed in Malaysia and Singapore. Suzuko Numata, a Hibakusha, and a peace campaigner of Hiroshima apologized to a group of people from Malaysia whose village was destroyed by the Imperial Japanese Army and many were killed. They were invited to come to Japan to give their witness accounts by the Japanese citizens groups. They, they also heard Numata's painful experience when her leg was crushed under the building blown by the atomic blast at the age of 21. Both parties shared the pain of the incident. In 1950, when the Korean War began, the possibility of the use of another atomic bomb by America was alarming people, particularly Hibakusha. There was huge international outcry for no nuclear war, and the World Peace Council approved Stockholm Appeal, which collected millions of signatories. The US dismissed it as that um, the Soviet Union's propaganda. Nevertheless, atomic bombs were not used in the Korean War as well as the Vietnam War. So now move to a second one. Secondly, I like to mention about the number five Lucky Dragon incident in 1954. In the Pacific, another disaster occurred. A Japanese tuna fishing boat called Lucky Dragon was showered with radiation fallout coming from the US Castle Bravo 
<coughs> a nuclear bomb test at the Bikini Atoll. All 23 crew were affected and one died from acute radiation syndrome, even though they were out of exclusion, exclusion zone. The immediate fatality was for one person, Aikichi Kuboyama, but the overall impact was tremendous because it was crucial for the Japanese staple diet of fish. This incident became a nationwide campaign in Japan for no nuclear testing and nuclear disarmament. Japan's citizens' peace movement in a large scale, scale began from a woman running a fish manga shop in the Suginami Ward, Tokyo, in 1954, the Suginami Ward Women's Association and many other groups nationwide collected 32 million signatories. This citizens' movement led to the World Congress Conference um, Against Atomic and Hydrogen Bombs held in 1955. This appeal, however, did not stop the nuclear bomb testings in the world. According to the uh, United Nations Scientific Committee on the Effects of Atomic Radiation, more than 2,050 times nuclear testings were conducted between 1945 to uh, 2013, in which more than 500 testings were inside the atmospheric zone. Although what exactly radiation effects in the atmosphere and the sea and on the land are unknown, certainly the globe has been polluted. Particularly almost all the testing sites belongs to the native people. Some of them could not return to their homeland including Malalinga, South Australia. The United States paid compensation to those who were affected and ill, but not for their daily living environment. In writing Ground Zero, John Whittier Treat mentioned that the concept of hibakusha now has to extend to everyone alive today in any region of the planet. I would like to show you um, some uh, images of uh, number five lucky dragon. Um, <clears throat> so after the incident, um, boat was renamed or cleaned up and then used for some time, but then in the end, as picture shows, uh, as the, um, um, this one is actually photographs, and ended up in the dumping ground of Tokyo. It's called Yume no Shima, but it is a dumping uh, ground. But it was discovered by an office worker um, 
Koichi Buto, who sent a letter to Asahi Shimbun in 1968. He said that the number five lucky dragon represents our wishes for peace. It now lies down to be destroyed very soon. Let us join together to preserve this boat to show and tell what had happened at the Bikini Atoll in 1954, as we had succeeded in preserving the atomic bomb dome before demolishing it in Hiroshima. And this restoration and uh, housed um, this boat into a, um, I guess, warehouse was all done by um, um, private citizens, I mean, citizens. So, so the boat is in the house here. And it's only a wooden boat here. Now I'd like to show more a few pictures. This one is Ben Shan, the picture book for the children. And it's called Lucky Dragon Series, uh, published in 1961. Shan drew an unknown monster in the nuclear clouds. Can you see the uh, monster inside? And that's triggered sort of a um, monster um, film industries, such as Godzilla. And but of course, at that time, um, King Kong was very popular as well. So, and this one is um, uh, Maruki's uh, painting called Yaizu. That's where um, Lucky Dragons, that was the Lucky Dragons home port. And you can see the group of people in angry face. So uh, while nuclear war did not occur, the US led atoms for peace programs promoted widely in the world from the 1950s. Japan was recovering economically and enjoying peace under the presence of the US military bases in Japan. Gradually, people didn't pay attention to the atomic bomb disasters as if they were the things of the past. However, Hibakusha have never forgotten their experiences. They were not artists or writers, yet they participated in the movement of transferring their experiences to future generations through whatever the means that they could think of. One case is the call for citizens' paintings was promoted by Shikoku, uh, Goro Shikoku, who appeared on the media to encourage how people of Hiroshima can preserve memories of that fatal day by drawing and, if necessary, make a note. Over 2,000 paintings with or without note, along with their paintings, were collected. These paintings are 
now kept comprehensively by dates, places, and topics, and of course names, at the Hiroshima Peace Museums, and everyone can see it online. So preservation of memories of the atomic um, bombings uh, can also be seen in large publications of literature and manga, for example. Uh, in 1966, uh, Masuji Ibuse published Black Lane. It was translated into English by John Besta in 1971. He joined atomic bomb writers, but Ibuse himself had no first-hand experiences. Ibuse use, used extensively resources such as diaries, testimonies, and newspapers. The success of Black Land earned him the Order of Cultural Merit in 1966, the highest honor that can be bestowed upon a Japanese author. Um, 21 years lapsed between the atomic bombings and the publication of Black Rain, reveal, revealing what author's attitude towards what the atomic bomb meant to him. Ibse's case, according to John Whittier Treat, was the celebration of Japanese daily life packed with tradition and rituals, no matter how the extraordinary event took place. That is the atomic bombing. Today's point of view, the nationalistic and paternal world of black rain is of nostalgia. The characters remain victims, although passages like, I would like to live in a country without a government, or I would prefer unjust peace than just war, a mild criticism of the ruling government. Thirdly, and finally, atomic bomb literature into the form of monogatari. Um, monogatari is the, again is the one uh, traditional forms of a literary device such as you know, scroll is one, or holding panel one, and also monogatari, as you know, tale of Genji. Um, uh, they all put the um, suffix um, monogatari. So um, this, in English, monogatari would be an epic, or you may call it historiography or a mixture of facts and fiction. Atom bomb literature and artwork includes more widened, wide, widened dimensions, such as Korean atom, atomic bomb victims, as well as Okinawans, who have been forced to be sacrificed by the Japanese government to endure hardship during the wartime, even now. Um, so you can see the um, literary um, um, 
representation of atom bomb over the period has been changing. So there is a manga here, two strands of uh, Genbaku manga, that's atom bomb manga. It's uh, masculinity and femininity can be observed. So I just show the picture. I don't want to take up too much time. It's my talking, but I just want to show you. This one is a barefoot gen, Keiji Nakazawa. And it's, a, it's been, a, um, it, it is a serialized manga. 1973 to 1987, for a journal, Weekly Boys Jump, has become extremely successful, not only in Japan, but also overseas. It was translated into 20 different languages, and I heard a section of this manga has been used as a school text in Thailand. So this one is uh, um, not that old current one, of course. It's a, a feminine um, aspect of um, hibakusha. So the color, and this is a lady uh, um, manga artist, Kono Fumio. She uses the very pastoral type of uh, beautiful colors. And so it's been very popular. Uh, Kono's characters, particularly females, are exceptionally pretty and obedient. In other words, a model of old-fashioned image, nostalgia. However, in the air raid, the heroine was injured and her husband, child niece, was killed. At that time, she lost her right hand, which was crucial for her when she engaged in drawing pictures, her favorite pastime pleasure. She became then to be her own person to overcome her difficulties by using her left hand. She even extinguished bravely, bravely her house fire when the bomb um, went into the uh, roof of the house. So the output in art about Hiroshima and Nagasaki mostly express victim consciousness. Certainly the atom annihilation was absolutely inhumane and those who were killed and survived were innocent victims. Other open survivors are tormented by guilty consciousness. And this was featured in uh, Inoue Hisashi's um, um, play called The Face of Jizo as well. So because time is uh, uh, short now, I would like just to show you some of the uh, um, pictures, but um, see, 
This one is the uh, Adorno's famous saying it, but we still believe in um, enjoyment of writing and producing uh, poetry, of course. And this picture shows the uh, um, Okamoto Taro, the artist. Just go back to the, uh, his uh, first one, uh, when he was at the time of, um, here, yeah, uh, 1955, burning people. What this burning people is, um, Lucky Dragon incident and crew covered with a white um, ash. And then by the time they arrived in the um, port, their faces get black because it was ready or active element. So he's using that sort of uh, internal uh, burning here. It's the same one, this one, uh, later he expanded. So like this um, right hand is a big uh, mural, part of the mural. Uh, if anyone been to uh, Shibuya station, you can see this one. And then a current group of artists, young group of artists wanted to do something about the nuclear uh, threat. So they put up extra ones to, uh, to, to your right hand side. That is the Fukushima uh, meltdown. And of course, they, they did it illegally. <laughs> However, it causes a very big publicity. So I just uh, quickly finished this, uh, my presentation. So only two days ago, I received the uh, um, booklet. This booklet, it's a free of charge, and you can um, download from online. It's called The Story of Johan. So what the booklet um, contains the story of Johan in three languages, Japanese, Dutch, and English, published by the Association of Netherlands, Japan, Indonesia, Dialogue. The booklet has lessons for children in the ages of 10 to 14 and discuss history by way of the story of a Navy sailor, Johan, who was a Dutch POW of the Japanese during the war. He was Koyagi uh, Nagasaki, where 2015, this is the um, site, 2015, a memorial service took place and opening of the memorial stones with the names of 73 dead in the camp, one of the highest numbers of death in the POW camps in Japan. They died of illness, starvation, and maltreatment. Now, this dialogue group put together stories of Johan to educate young people. 
thanks to them, Nagasaki is no longer just a place of atomic bomb victims, but of learning from the history of Japan's aggression. I shall stop here, and thank you for uh, listening to me. Thank you. Sorry about that. Thank you, Yusuka, for that very interesting and thoughtful insight into what must be a very difficult and complex topic for you to research. We have time now for some questions. So I will open the floor to the audience since we're recording the session, I'd ask if you wait for the microphone to come with you before you ask your question. Thank you, Yasuko, for your talk. Until now, and Elizabeth and I were saying this a few weeks ago, I'd we didn't know there was such a thing as atomic bomb literature. And, and you've um, taught us something new today, I think. I wanted to ask you about a comment you made earlier uh, about the association between victim consciousness and right-wing nationalism. And you also referred after that to the kind of the broad sweep of atomic bomb literature covering other things than Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So what does that mean in the modern world? As, as you say, Japan has placed an order for military hardware. It's, it's, um, there are signs of right-wing nationalism across Europe. What does that mean in terms of this perception of victimhood? Is, is there a strong link or do you think it's just an association? Well, um, I guess I couldn't answer absolutely uh, correctly or anything, but I would think if the Japanese uh, insisted on being victim, other people might think otherwise. So acknowledging the past, and then where then we can start. Um, start or advance um, together. But of course, uh, uh, President Trump must be supporting his uh, um, armed manufactured manufacturers and fact, manufacturers and factories, obviously. Um, but I think we are at the point that we can't have a nuclear war because we are too close each other. Um, but in the politics, they wanted to be dominant over other people. So whether we should accept it, that sort of a scenario, but if we think about future, then there must be some way uh, we, can, we, ha we, can, we will have to control ourselves. That's my uh, understanding. We can't go too far to an extreme way 
you know, I, I am the controller, that sort of a way is no longer um, possible. So, and of course we have a United Nations, um, so there's discussions and the collection of our signatories. People are all d doing um, the best they can do to uh, prevent um, nuclear warfare. Um, but these things takes um, time and also uh, steps. For example, I often mention this one is the um, landmine and the number of uh, um, treaties all over the world and people are um, persuading government to not to use the landmines. So it's a gradual steps towards disarmament. So it can't be done overnight. Therefore, um, even a high school student you know, trying to get the, something they can do and look, Japanese government still don't uh, rectify the uh, treaty. So I often said to them that you, know, you can do what, what you think you, the best you can. The voices, the such voices are collected together, then it will be a common knowledge shared everybody, then that something will, should happen. Um, we still haven't seen it, but I, we can't stop um, disasters to come. That's my understanding. Sorry, I'm probably explaining too much. <laughs> Yasuko Sensei, thank you very much, Kent Anderson. Um, in your examples, you had some groups which had direct experience of the atomic bombs, some writers. You had another group of writers in the 50s and 60s that did not have direct experience of the bombs, but had experience of the war in the aftermath. And then you also introduced some writers who are contemporary, who would have no ex direct experience. I wonder if the sense of idealism in those different groups comes through differently in the literature that you've looked at? Mm. Uh, yes, that is the, um, I'm trying to uh, work things out. And particular notion of this Japanese literary devices such as uh, scroll, that's a paintings, but monogatari, is that sort of narratives interesting? Everyone can enjoy reading it. Um, because the founders of uh, atom bomb literature were um, hibakusha. So that's sheer um, reality they experienced. And they left works from which future uh, further, um, coming uh, generations learned from them. So, but of course it's the first, you know, uh, Hibakusha can, um, can only, uh, of course some are noticed, uh, Korean 
victims or American POWs, uh, nonetheless, they couldn't bring up those problems because you know, they were absolutely you know, um, traumatized. So that's first one. And then second one, Ibuse, again, he uses the uh, uh, diary of um, particular person or newspapers. So it's a resources uh, that's supporting his writing. But this is the uh, novel. That means he stitches everything in terms of how he values Japanese society. Even that sort of extraordinary things happened, life still going on, uh, daily life going on. So that his um, you know, uh, way of value of um, life, I guess, in Japanese. Um, but then, Kono Fumio, for example, that uh, manga artist, she has no knowledge or anything, but she, um, she was asked to the publisher to, you are from Hiroshima, you must write something about Hiroshima. Then she have to, again, it's a um, resources hunting. So when you look at uh, her book of manga, at the back, there's lots of uh, references and notable references. And unless otherwise, it's an authenticity is lacking. So that's sort of uh, reinvented. But in her case, I mentioned that female, femininity. So she thinks that women at that time, very obedient, um, marriage took place without seeing a future husband, nonetheless, they get on well, but gradually she get realized what actually happened if anything extraordinary happened. In this case, it, uh, um, she was in Kure, not Hiroshima, but that sort of uh, external event changed her life. So it's a woman's, it's a gender-oriented, uh, um, you know, way to look at things. So from now on, writers or paint, painters, they are thinking what happened 73 years ago and how we have wealth of uh, um, works with us, but express, re-expressed way what they think, what is the uh, uh, nuclear age we are living. So the artist I mentioned about the, uh, um, this extended to uh, Okamoto Taro's uh, old one to a new one. So this one, you see, so they did more than this one actually. So, and the boat is there, that's Okamoto Taro, that's the Lucky Dragon boat is there. So they added their way of looking at. So, of course, this is their sort of uh, technological age, so Instagram is one of them. So they can uh, 
put them all together. It's a collaboration. I can't remember the words, but it's a collaboration of all sorts. So it will be more and more interesting, I would think. Thank you. There is one advantage to holding the microphone. I can ask a question quickly. Um, kind of uh, going off that question and the answer to that question, as Hibakusha get older and, you know, there are fewer and fewer of them, and living in the world in which we live today, in writing Ground Zero, Treat says that the kind of nuclear threat that we live with now is something that we accept. It's, he likens it to an earthquake. It's a huge catastrophe if it happens, but it's there, it exists, but we kind of happily deny it. How are young people engaging with this atomic literature? Are they still reading with it? Are they still engaging with it in the same way perhaps that their parents or grandparents would? And are younger people still producing this kind of literature, whether traditionally or perhaps in more modern digital mediums? Um, you know, uh, um, because I think, in, in, yeah, uh, because in, the, in old days, the 1945 in the censorship, Hiroshima wasn't known to, uh, no, bombings weren't noticed by other part of the Japanese people. So they really had a um, disadvantage, of course. Um, so young people love cartoons and manga. That's where um, this you know, barefoot gen is the one. But being a masculine boy's manga, it's full of uh, actions and blood and everything. Um, but then, Kono's uh, women's manga is much gentler. So, but they, yeah, to my understanding, young people like to videos, Instagrams, how they can recreate something uh, you know, uh, new. For example, remember that the uh, um, Lucky Dragon incident? Um, ben Shan wrote these um, wonderful uh, drawings for children and showed the monster. And then that monster um, developed into a Godzilla type of monsters. And again, that sort of, uh, uh, I wouldn't say eye-catching, but it's something threat. In, visualized in other ways that will be uh, creating something uh, new. So uh, probably young generations don't think um, too much about these um, bombings per se, but creating with that uh, something new to appeal to them. So gender um, items is perfectly one of them. Thank you. I've uh, read Black Rain, 
that's why I'm here tonight. One of the reasons I'm here. Uh, and I've read quite a lot of material on nuclear testing and the people that have been killed since on, on these test sites or around the test sites. A lot of that is not published. It's, it's unknown. There's not a lot of literature about it unless you go searching for it. I'm very, very frightened about the nu nuclear rhetoric that's going on in the world at the moment involving Trump and North Korea. Uh, and there's a lot of people, I think, that think that nuclear warfare is inevitable. I wish it wouldn't be, but it's... There's, there's India, there's Pakistan, there's China, there's all sorts of nations now that are promoting nuclear weaponry, and uh, I'm very frightened about the future. Well, I think we share the same sentiment, of course, yeah, of course. Um, um, I, I, as I said, we are living on, on the edge in a way something might happen, um, but we s still enjoy daily life. And so long as we stick to what we value in our daily life, just, you know, um, Ibse Masaji's, you know, um, Black Lane, and extraordinary things might have happened, might not, or may not be. Um, but it's important to know what our activities are. It's not always it's the campaign is the um, way to go or you know, collecting our signatures, um, but what we value, and the more the people feel the same way, and of course it's you know, on TV every day we have uh, otherwise. <laughs> However, I'm still trusting something uh, um, worthwhile and valuable things to appear. For example, this one, and this is a site where POW camp um, once stood, and Harrison was here too, actually. So, and after 70 years, um, the group, citizens group, make a um, you know, booklet about about the Dutch POW's story and school text and with lessons, questions and answers. So this is activities and I value for that um, because without this very steady work, it's not the government work, our um, activities that make difference uh, may not be a great change or anything, but great change will come from these little ones. That's my belief. Well, I think, thank you everybody for your insightful questions, but our time here has come to an end. Um, thank you all for your attendance tonight. And oh, sorry, sorry, I just have to oh. quickly, Michael, <laughs> Levy, yeah, Michael will tell us the, um, what happened in Canberra. There's a peace bell. Yes, my name's, is that working? 
My name's Michael Raby. I'm the coordinator of the Canberra Rotary Peace Bell. Um, I was going to be really fast, but I just want to take a bit longer. Um, in 1954, Chioji Nagagawa, a soldier who fought in China. I'm not sure if he was at Nanking, but he was in China. And then he was in Burma. And in Burma, he was wounded, unconscious. He came back to consciousness and he heard the sound of a temple bell and it reminded him of his childhood. And having fought for so long, he had this moment when he said, I must do something. And so he created the first World Peace Bell, which was he donated to the United Nations using coins at that time donated by 63 countries. And that peace bell is still at, uh, at New York, at the United Nations, and it's rung each year on World Peace Day. After he died and in the 80s, another Japanese uh, businessman started to reproduce uh, bells, and there are now 24 of them in the world. And number 23 sits beside Lake Burley Griffin, was brought to Canberra by the Rotary Club. And I just wanted to say to you tonight that on the 6th of August, at 9.15am Australian time, which is 8.15 in Hiroshima, the Canberra Rotary Peace Bell will be rung and simultaneously a, an ancient bell in, in Nara will be rung. I also believe the Christchurch Peace Bell will be rung at that time as well to remember Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So I, th I agree with you, it's little things, small things, um, where we can stand up for what is right, such as uh, the nearly 3,000 people who attended the Peace Bell for a vigil to Christchurch on the 19th of March, four days after the event, and also like the group of people who will gather um, at uh, the Peace Bell on Sunday, Saturday at 11 o'clock to remember Colombo, and also like the fact that we recognise Dr Sue Wareham as the first recipient of the Canberra Rotary Peace Prize um, uh, for her work with ICANN. <coughs> and like the Japanese government, the Australian government has also chosen not to sign the treaty against nuclear weapons. But if enough of us speak up, things can happen. But in the first instance, on Saturday and then on the 6th of August, you'd be all welcome to come and show your support for peace over other uh, peace over war. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yes, thank you everybody for coming tonight, and thank you again to Yasuko for being here and presenting on your research. I would like to invite you all now to join Yasuko up in the foyer, where refreshments are being served. Thank you. Thank you.